Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now, before I launch in today, I just want to mention to you the new Eating Disorder Therapist Book Club. Now, with the book club, you get four extra podcasts a month, a Facebook group to gain support and encouragement from others. And this month, we're reading Amy Harmon's Perfectly Imperfect, Compassionate Strategies to Cultivate a Positive Body Image. Now, if you're interested, you can sign up in the show notes underneath this episode. And if you're a bit unsure and you want to dip your toe in the water first, you can also hear the first episode for free on the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. So that's the previous episode to this one. And to join the book club, it's literally just five pounds and that's seven USA dollars equivalent. So it's a real bargain to get so much value, so much extra information and to really support you on your recovery journey. So yeah, hope to see many of you there. Now today I have another guest on the show and I'm talking to Katie Beecher, medical and spiritual intuitive based in the USA. And I don't know if you've heard of a medical intuitive before, but this is someone with psychic abilities, stay with me here, who uses these abilities for greater insight into some aspect of well-being. Now, no one is suggesting that medical intuitives could replace consultations with doctors, psychiatrists, nutritionists, or any other kind of medical professional. But if you're listening and you value the role of gut instinct and following your own intuition, you probably get a sense of the incredible power we can have in listening to this. Now, Katie has had intuitive, empathic and medium abilities since she was a young child, but was fearful of them until she entered therapy with a Jungian psychologist for an eating disorder at the age of 16. And extraordinarily, Katie reached out for help on her own, independently from her parents, which was a brave and bold decision. Katie found that developing bulimia and depression, although taking her to a very dark place at the time, ultimately was one of the best things that happened to her. Through healing and therapy, Katie learned how to connect to her intuition, accept and understand her intuitive and psychic gifts, and find self-love and acceptance. This foundation also inspired Katie for her later work with clients as both a therapist and medical intuitive. And Katie powerfully believes that connection to intuition, self-love and self-acceptance can be a channel for anything, including healing. And she has documented success with many illnesses, including Lyme disease, self-recovered, digestive issues, cancer, viruses, autoimmune diseases, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, adolescent and childhood concerns and other issues. Katie has also written a book about her work as a medical intuitive and how others can heal and enhance their lives using the same technique she uses in her readings. It is called Heal From Within, a guidebook to intuitive wellness, and it'll be published by St. Martin's Press in February 2022. Gosh, that sounds in the future, doesn't it? And is currently available for pre-sale. I'm really looking forward to hearing about this fascinating work that Katie is doing. And if you feel a little skeptical about hearing the intro, I encourage you just to listen and to keep an open mind and to hear about this different approach. So let's get to the interview. Hi, Katie, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. So Katie, please could you introduce yourself to the listeners? 
Sure. So I am a medical intuitive, medical and spiritual intuitive, because I work with the whole body and mind and spirit. And I'm also a licensed professional counselor. I have been doing this work for about 30 years. I'm recovered for about the same amount of time from bulimia. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. And I do my readings in a very unique way using just an age and a name. I create a four page, really detailed report about their entire life and Mm. also a symbolic painting. I send that to them before our meeting. And then during our meeting, I get more information and We talk about root causes to all sorts of issues, connecting with intuition, relationships, life purpose, all that good stuff, and, you know, come up with a plan moving forward. Mm, Okay, that sounds like fascinating and way of working, Katie. And have you known or understand, like, did you know that you had these kind of psychic gifts and this strong sense of being able to work intuitively? Like, did you know that from quite a young age? I did. I always had the ability to, you know, pick up on people's feelings and, and even their thoughts and was always very connected with adults, you know, even more than, than kids being an old soul, I guess. And I always picked up a lot of evil energy, which was very scary because, you know, my family was very dysfunctional and I was pretty afraid of any kind of abilities because I always was picking up this negativity But what actually turned everything around is when I was 16, I had bulimia, depression, and I basically decided I wasn't going to live like that anymore. And so I came up with a plan to commit suicide. However, Mm -hmm. divine intervention got in the way. Yay. And I called our pediatrician without telling my parents, told him what I was doing and asked for the name of a therapist which it took me three months to call the therapist because I was still afraid of that. Mm -hmm. But I called her and I paid for it by myself. I got there myself. I had a car and a job. And she was a Jungian therapist. So I don't know how much people know about Carl Jung, but Mm -hmm. he was a really famous psychiatrist who was very open to intuition and even astrology and psychic gifts and mythology. And he actually got a lot of his theories and practices, if you will, from talking to his intuition. So my therapist taught me you know, how to connect to intuition, how to love and accept myself. And she also was really encouraging about all of the psychic medium stuff. And I know made me feel like I wasn't crazy for talking to dead people and, and picking mm-hmm. up all this stuff. And that's really what got me interested in even being, you know, being a therapist and using these gifts and help me be open to things instead of just being closed off to them. Mm. Well, it sounds like a really brave thing, actually, that you reached out for help yourself when you were 16, because that's like an incredible step, actually, to do that at that age. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, I was terrified, but I also knew that I couldn't continue living that way. I was throwing up three times a day and leaving school and my grades were suffering and just, Mm. you know, I just knew I couldn't go on that way. And I I really honestly believe it was divine intervention because, you know, now I'm doing all this really cool work. So, and it was all part of the process. It was really, eating disorder was one of the best things that ever happened to me. 
Yeah, no, sure. No, it's, it's, it's interesting that, isn't it? And it, it sounds as well, actually, like what a great match for you that you saw that young in therapist, because I guess, you know, you could have seen any type of therapist, but that seemed to be like a really just the kind of fit, just the kind of therapist you probably needed to see at that point. If it were not for that kind of therapy, I would not have recovered and I wouldn't be here. And, you know, being a therapist too, I learned a lot about different treatment facilities and approaches and methodology. And from what I can see, what's really missing is that connection to intuition and teaching people to trust themselves. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of the treatment facilities, like we're going to control everything you eat and what you, you know, how much you can exercise and not exercise. And I remember visiting one and they said, well, this person they were telling about a, a client or a, this person earned her right to go to prom, you know, by gaining some weight. And I'm like, oh, dear God, they know all about control. You know, they mm. don't they don't need more control. They need more self-love and trusting themselves. Mm. Oh. So how do you even sort of perhaps begin if you're working with, you know, someone with an eating disorder to help them begin to strengthen their tu- intuition and let go of some of that control? When I work with people, one of the most important things that I teach them is, first of all, my definition of intuition, because it's kind of different from the way a lot of people teach. And it's an all-knowing force that is part of everybody that loves you unconditionally, accepts you unconditionally. It's always there protecting you and keeping you safe. And When you're connected with it, you're not alone, even when you're by yourself. And for me, I had no other source of that, especially the unconditional love and acceptance. So I sort of, you know, my, my therapist helped me think about it as God within, which is the Jungian definition, but it's sort of like this, where you came from. So if it made you, it sees you as perfect, even though it knows you have flaws and it doesn't judge you and you don't have to be fake. It's like, it's a safe place to have feelings and to be yourself, you know, and a lot of the time, whether you have an eating disorder or not, people don't have that. So I teach people how to talk to intuition, like it's your friend. And mm-hmm. again, another Jungian technique, but it's to write to it and allow it to speak back to you. And then, you know, write back to it and have a written conversation where you're writing down both sides. And that technique really helps you to focus in on what you're healing. I mean, what you're hearing, what you're hearing. And it involves connecting to the body. So I teach them how to, you know, talk to their eating disorder and talk to their bodies and see them again as friends instead of as enemies and ask, you know, why are you here? What are you trying to teach me? What do I need to do? How can I help you heal? And things that it's just a different approach because there's always this like warrior thing. And Mm. I don't think you need to be a warrior. I think you need to like, I understand the concept and I get the concepts and I agree with that. You know, I get all that. But if you're at war with yourself or at war with something that is like impacting your body for a reason, then that's kind of counterproductive to healing, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, it sounds like a lot more sort of about 
surrendering isn't it and yeah kind of like going within and and really like listening and trusting and yeah yeah. and how do you find as well Katie do you find I'm just sort of thinking as well you know often when someone has an eating disorder or other mental health issues they've lost just completely lost themselves haven't they they've lost kind of contact with their source (laughs) their intuition and do you sometimes find is it quite a difficult road to begin to begin to sort of build self-trust and almost like dare to listen to your intuition? Yeah. When you first start out, you know, I tell people I wasn't born knowing how to do this and I hated myself and I hated my body. And I sincerely thought that if I could just lose weight, my eating disorder would go away. I love myself. Everything would be fine. And as you know, (laughs) not the case. It's not about weight. It's really not. And it's about being able to like, know that you're okay, no matter what you weigh. And so I teach people like, even like when you're first starting to connect with intuition, you may not get a lot, you know, you may not, you may just hear a few words when you start doing it, or you may feel like, what if this is just what I'm telling myself because it's what I want to hear or what if it's me, you know, and not my intuition or what if I make a mistake and I listen to this voice and I make a mistake or what's fear and what's intuition, you know, like there's so many questions and so many doubts and a lot of it is just kind of giving it a try and seeing, see what happens. And then like when I first started, I was just like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm hearing these things. And fortunately I had a, you know, a therapist and a support person to work with. And even if you just get a word kind of, okay, what does that word mean to me? Or ask for more information or like just hear the information and don't judge it and don't worry about where it's coming from, even if it's just from in your own head. Mm, Yeah, for sure. So I guess it's being just willing as well, isn't it, to embrace the kind of messy, imperfect, kind of probably quite slow process that it often might be. But, you know, it's only through that kind of trial and error that you can begin to tune into your intuition more, isn't it, and to begin to build a bit more self-trust again. It's so true. And even when I do my own readings, I've been doing this for for a while, obviously 30 years, (laughs) but I get a little bit nervous. You know, every time I start a reading, because number one, I really care about what I do and I want to do a good job and I want it to be accurate and I want to help people. And that I have to push that aside. And I've learned just to listen to what my guides have to tell me, you know, write it down, don't judge it, just kind of let it be there. And then when I go over the report with my clients, we talk about it together because. Sometimes the information will be for a loved one or it will be, you know, something in their past that's not happening right now, whatever, but it's kind of to just allow it and then figure out what it means later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's not putting all the pressure on, is it? I suppose in a way to like, yeah, get like a black and white answer today. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And also like, A really good example is I was doing a reading on a 12-year-old girl and I heard teeth enamel. So the human response, you know, is to say, well, she must have a lot of cavities or something. And when I talked to her mom 
She said, it's actually the opposite. She has extraordinarily strong teeth enamel and has never had a cavity. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, really interesting. It's, it's not always what you would think it would mean or it needs probably like some exploration, doesn't it, with your client to, yeah. to untangle it together. Exactly. And sometimes it's symbolic, you know, like you just mm. have to, I just, I've learned to trust what I get and the accuracy. And then if, you know, sometimes I will get something for a person that I'm meeting with after the person I'm reading so that, you know, I, I do get things crossed, but that's all okay. We're not supposed to do things perfectly. Mm, yeah, no, sure. And, and I guess as well, you just really embracing that imperfection and modeling that was just such a helpful message to your clients as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's so many people, they don't, eating disorder is so much about perfection and being afraid to make mistakes and, and being afraid that people will see the real you. And mm. we don't realize when they're, when we're in the throes of it, that everybody has those fears and concerns and everybody has anxiety. And there's things about your body that you don't like, even if you don't have an eating disorder and, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, really, really true. So Casey, obviously like for you, you like had, you know, your therapy when you were quite young and it sounds like you, you started your career did you as well sort of soon after that do you sort of like you know begin on this path you know have you sort of always sort of worked with clients from quite a sort of young age is that when you sort of trained in your 20s and mm -hmm. yeah so did you sort of did you kind of know after having your own therapy did you get a real kind of sense that you were going to be doing some sort of healing work or therapy work oh absolutely I heard immediately from my guides, I didn't know I was talking to my guides. I thought I was just talking to intuition, but they're the same thing. But I heard mm -hmm. immediately, you know, this happened for a really good reason. And this is part of the process and that you're going to teach people that with intuition and connection to self-love, you can heal from just about anything. And, and I knew I was going to write my book and I, I knew I was going to be working with people all over the world and I didn't know how it would play out, but <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely heard that this was all part of what I'm supposed to do with my life. Mm, sure. And what, what age do you think that kind of started to sort of crystallize for you? I knew pretty quickly, you know, I was 16 and 17 when I started my therapy, like around, how old was I? Like, I guess I recently turned 16. So mm. sort of, you know, and I was only, it was right before I went to college. So I only met with this person for about a year and worked really, really hard. I wasn't, you know, fully cured by any, any means, but made so much progress because I was really determined. And I knew, you know, within that year that, that that was why it was happening. Didn't know how I was going to get there exactly. <laughs> mm, yeah, for sure. But you had a very strong sense. And, yeah. and within that kind of whole model of, of working as well that with your therapist back then, was it very much, you know, just working on the, on the kind of these deeper issues and the self-love and acceptance and intuition? And like, did it include any of things like kind of like, I don't know, the more CBT stuff like regular eating, like managing purging alongside? Or did you find that by working on the deeper stuff, those other issues kind of began to resolve themselves? Yeah, it really was working on the deeper stuff. It was about the self-love and acceptance. And, and of course there were, you know, how to cope with my crazy family and how to reframe, you know, what I was thinking and feeling and accept mm. 
and, and looking at things realistically. And I remember actually this one incident that kind of really still sticks out. My therapist one day said, you're being really narcissistic. And I was so devastated. It was like a knife went through my heart. And because that's the last thing I wanted to do, I was surrounded by narcissistic people. And I thought I was a caring person. You know, I, I thought I was loving and that I tried to be nice to people and consider other people's feelings. And she said, well, hang on a minute. You know, she said, you inherently are not a narcissistic person. And she told me the story of Narcissus who spent so much time looking in this pond, looking at his beautiful reflection that he died because he stopped eating and sleeping and functioning. Mm. And she said, eating disorders or depression or any sort of addiction, those behaviors are inherently narcissistic because all you're thinking about is what you're eating or not eating, you know, what you weigh, are people looking at you while you eat? What do people think about your weight? You know, all of those mm. things, how much water you're drinking, how much exercise, whatever. But she's like, it's all about you and this eating disorder. And she said, those are really, you know, narcissistic thoughts and, and behaviors. And I just thought, oh my God, she's absolutely right. And it made me look at the things in my shadow, you know, the things that I didn't like about myself or was afraid of in a different mm -hmm. way, because I thought if I can accept that and still not think I'm a bad person because mm -hmm. of the way she framed it, then what else can I accept about myself that I thought people didn't know or thought it was hiding or are just regular flaws and how can I then, like, if you accept them and don't judge them, then you can actually make changes. Mm. Yeah, no, it's so true, isn't it? And I think it's something we often get quite confused by because it sounds paradoxical sometimes, doesn't it? That, right. Yeah, yeah. But it's so true, isn't it? Once we can actually start to give ourselves some acceptance, oh. it really does allow some breathing space almost for change. And even with the weight, I was like, if I don't weigh this perfect number, then maybe that's okay. I don't have to weigh that to be acceptable or loved. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it transferred on to basically so many other things. And when I was bulimic, I was actually, my weight went up and down all the time. So I was at some point, you know, 20, 25 pounds overweight, if you want to label it that way, whatever, but, you know, mm -hmm. over what I wanted to be like, and I was never underweight. So I was kind of, it wasn't like anorexia where it can be pretty obvious. And I was, well, I thought I was hiding it better than I did, you know, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember my father saying, well, I don't know what, once I finally told my parents, because I eventually told them that I was going to therapy. My father said, well, I don't know why you're doing that because you're still fat. <laughs> like, mm way to be supportive mm. so, yeah you know uh, so the the therapy helped me separate emotionally and even physically I was going off to college but it helped me separate emotionally from the people who were not good for me mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, sure. Well, I think, um, you know, it's incredible that you did step, you know, reach out and get some help at the age of 16 and almost having that kind of knowing in a way that you perhaps needed to do that for yourself or realizing that it wasn't yeah. going to come. Yeah. <laughs> From the people around you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's really just incredible, you know, that you were able to do that and just shows your kind of strengths and probably, although you didn't realize it, just your strengths of your intuition, even at that stage. Correct. No, it absolutely. And just, you know, finding the right person right away, because it's, it's hard to find a therapist who gets you and that you feel comfortable with and that you can relax with. I mean, I think a lot of people, give up on therapy because they don't find someone that they feel understands or that they can relax with. Mm. Yeah, and they're so true. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like, doesn't it? Yeah, you, it was a really good fit for you, actually. And it is sad, isn't it? Because I think as well, often the way our systems are set up, you know, like I'm just thinking of the National Health Service in the UK, yeah. you know, it's set up to manage having to deal with the volumes of referrals and yeah. yeah, and it loses that kind of more human quality sometimes. And not to knock the NHS, but I think there's so many, I, I mean, I work there part time myself, so many yeah. people doing incredible work, but the systems aren't set up, aren't they, so much to give people the space. Maybe They're that, not, yeah. you know, and I was, I was so fortunate. I mean, this was 1983. So my therapy was $30. <laughs> so, yeah, <sure. laughs> you know, I mean, now it would be a hundred and something for sure. And a lot of, because of the way the insurance companies and national health systems and things do things, a lot of therapists don't even accept insurance. So it's, you don't have as many choices open to you. Yeah, no, really, really. Well, and people don't even have insurance. No, people don't even always have it, you know. Yeah, so. they're sure. Yeah. Well, it, of course, like, I mean, in the UK, we are fortunate in a way that everybody does get access right. to the national health system, but it's under-resourced, et cetera. But yeah, of course, you've got to, it's a whole different thing, isn't it, in the US in terms of insurance, et cetera, and who can actually access treatment in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I work with a lot of people you know, in the UK and Australia and places that have, you know, national health insurance. And it is a wonderful thing in so many ways, but I know that there, there can be a lot of hoops to jump through sometimes. Mm, yeah, for sure. So Katie, could you tell us a bit more about the term medical intuitive? Because that's kind of like part of your role. Yeah. Is that right? As a therapist? It is. It's a huge part. So as I mean, I work a bit, you know, we all work differently, but as a medical intuitive for me, I don't just look at physical symptoms. I look at, you know, mind, body, and spirit, but I'm able to tune into not only people's bodies and see what's happening inside and outside. And so, and to figure out root causes of issues, to identify symptoms, to look at their emotional state and how their experiences such as, you know, childhood trauma or any trauma, you know, bullying, whatever their relationships, their life purpose, their access to intuition, you know, whether or not they're connected with it, all of those things, how those impact someone's being. So it's, it's not just physical, but it's, it's just, you know, what 
do you need to feel fulfilled and to be authentic? Authenticity is huge. And to have healthy relationships and to, to heal from everything. So it's the ability to tap into someone's life. And when I identify symptoms, for example, I'm not legally or ethically able to diagnose, even though there are some people who do what I do, who do diagnose, and that's, it's not okay to do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I, whatever symptoms I identify, people usually, you know, verify those. And I might say something like, these symptoms feel like they could be related to Lyme or related to whatever. And then I have like mostly natural physicians, but all kinds of different people that I trust that I have used myself that I refer to, and then they can verify what I've said, you know, help do some actual testing, help with some of the physical treatment, things like that. So I very much use a team approach when it comes Mm -hmm. to my work, because I want it to be evidence-based. And, you know, that's, again, something really, really important to me. And I don't want people to substitute my intuition for theirs. And, you know, I want them to have, in addition to what I give them, I really want them to have, you know, empirical data and and all that kind of stuff. So that's Mm -hmm. how I work. Mm, sure. Well, no, I mean, so interesting, actually, isn't it? Because I think it, it sounds like in a way that like you, you're kind of going in there first and sort of feeling it out and kind of getting exactly. this sense and, yeah, like picking up on things. And then, but it sounds, again, that that's done with like a lot of sort of sensitivity and not nothing set in stone, is it? It's kind of exploring things a bit and making suggestions. But then, and then I guess, you know, the person that you're treating they can respond to that. And, and like you say, then you then you go to other physicians and perhaps get the, the actual data. So you've kind of got that sort of assurance as well underneath. Yeah, yeah. It's, we definitely, I want people to leave the sessions feeling like they were seen and heard and that they have actual tools and a plan moving forward. So, and people will say, you know, this hour has felt like a year of therapy. <laughs> I've done more work with you than I've done with anybody. And part of that is because the report I send is so detailed and mm. so personal that they kind of don't have to start over again with their story because I already know their story. Mm. So, it's, you know, I think that's a big help for because when you go to a therapist for the first time, it's like, oh, especially if you've been in therapy before, it's like, oh, my God, I have to tell the story all over again. But, you know, <laughs> and that takes several sessions. And and so I really like that I ha- already have a foundation before we've even met. And then we go through the whole report. But I always ask, is there anything especially that you want to make sure that we talk about? And they can ask questions the whole time. And I even encourage people to ask questions after the session, if they don't understand something that we talked about, you know, I don't charge extra for that because we do go over a lot and I don't want people to feel like they can't ask a question, you know? Mm, yeah, no, sure. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, just sounds like really interesting and, and just, it just, it's just very interesting to hear sort of a different way of working, I think, because of, you know, I think 
this kind of, I mean, I'm very drawn myself to this more intuitive way of working, but it's not something that's so mainstream, is it? But I think I can really see the value of it and how, how many, many people would really just respond so well to that. Absolutely. And I think part of the problem is that a lot of people see it as this woo-woo thing, you know, like it's otherworldly or that you have to have these special powers or special abilities. And I try really, really hard to normalize it and mm -hmm. teach people that we all have intuition and we use it all the time, even medical intuition. You know, if you, let's say you stub your toe and it really hurts and you kind of have to decide for yourself, you know, is this going to be okay? Or is this hurting bad enough that I might've broken my toe and I need to go see somebody or even, you know, when you have kids, you can kind of tell that they have ear infections before they even, you even get diagnosed, you know, like, so mm. it's not woo woo. It's not weird. We all have it. And just, you know, okay. So I have more of an ability to tune in than some people, but it doesn't mean that I'm special or I have, you know, that other people can't use their intuition too. And that it's, it's just as strong. So I think it's because it's seen as this woo-woo thing that a lot of people are hesitant to use it. But I also think that the best practitioners, whether it's therapists or doctors or nurses, are extremely intuitive and they may not label it as that. They may say, well, it's from experience, but I really, I really think a lot of it's intuition. Mm, yeah, no, sure. No, it's just really interesting, isn't it? Because I think as well, just we're in a sort of like a science based world aren't we where, where there's so much anxiety and I think sometimes yeah. people just more, will more favor the kind of logical or, or you know where they've got the hard facts I'm just thinking as you're talking actually because one of my children has type 1 diabetes and mm. I think in terms of managing his insulin actually I do it in quite an intuitive way but I, did, I hadn't even really thought of it like that you know because obviously you can you can do it in a very mathematical way in terms of calculating right. everything but you know, over time, you just do develop a sort of sense of what you yeah. need to do, to do to deal with it. Yeah. So I mean, we do all have it, don't we? And I think it's just great you talking about it. It's just realizing in a way, it's not something that's kind of really out there and woo woo, like we all have intuition, yeah. we all have that ability to tune in and be more in touch with ourselves. Absolutely. And I think there's people who, like, I don't want to be someone's guru, you know what I mean? Like, I trust mm. my guides and I give really important information, but I'm part of the process. I don't do the work for them. Mm -hmm. And I want them to find that strength and belief in themselves. And because that's what's going to carry you forward. And also when I teach people to, you know, talk to their symptoms and things, I don't want people to feel like they're being attacked or that there's some evil attached to them or, or something I want, you know, I, I hope that they can learn to see those symptoms as signals mm. from their intuition that they're not following their path or they're not being authentic or they're not loving themselves enough or, and use it as a catalyst for change instead of something that, that you think is like against you, you know, like your body's against you or something. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That sounds really helpful. So Katie, like if someone is like listening to this and perhaps they're feeling like they want to just dip their toe a bit in the water almost, maybe they're not quite ready yet to 
you know, fully embrace this way of working, but maybe they're wanting to, you know, just get more in touch with their intuition. And like, what would you see, say would just be some really baby steps to doing that? So one thing that I find helpful for people is to just be in nature, mm-hmm. to, you know, to be near some water or be in the woods or be kind of away from your daily life a little bit. It doesn't, you don't have to take a vacation. You can just find somewhere that you like. And when you're in nature, it helps you to be mindful and present because Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're listening to the birds or you're looking at the leaves or the trees or the, you know, the sky or listening to the water, or it automatically makes you be more present and mindful. And when we are always thinking about our past you know, the pain in the past or whatever, and always worrying about the future. And we don't like our bodies and we don't like ourselves. It's very hard to be present. Mm -hmm. And so when you are present, you automatically listen to your intuition more and you allow your feelings, a lot of eating disorders, a lot of addiction in one of the main components is that you push down how you're feeling. It's, Mm. it's too scary or painful. So if you put yourself in a setting where you can relax more, I think you feel more at peace. I also really encourage expression through the arts, through music, through, you know, drawing, painting, dance, anything like that, because words can be really scary, Mm -hmm. but we express so much of ourselves and also release a lot of stress and trauma through symbolic work. So any of those things that I mentioned are very symbolic. It's why I do the symbolic watercolor paintings. It, it gives me a different source of information besides just words. Mm-hmm. And it's when you hear words or whatever, it's, it's scary and more threatening. But when you're releasing things through whatever, you know, dance and, or, and it doesn't really matter. I took up pole dancing three years ago at, you know, the age of 53. So, you know, or 52. So you don't even realize how much is like pent up in your body, how much is stored in your body until you start to release it. You know, I love the book, the body keeps the score. I'm sure you've heard of that Mm. about how trauma gets stored and we don't even realize it. And because our emotional experiences are also physical experiences and spiritual ones. So yeah. And try to look at yourself in as much of a non-judgmental way as possible. If you catch yourself saying something negative to yourself or having a negative thought at the very least, recognize it and try to acknowledge it and even pick, you know, one thing that you're going to change. If there's a constant message that you're giving yourself that's negative. Think about how can I reframe that or, or how can I say one thing back to myself that's loving, you know, mm-hmm. like start with like little baby steps. I mean, it's, it really is one thing at a time. So those are just, you know, three ways that I think are kind of helpful, but. Yeah, no, great tips. Thank you for sharing those, Katie. You are welcome. So if people want to find out more about you or maybe even, you know, get in touch with you and to book a session, you know, where can they find you? 
So my website is Katie Beecher, K-A-T-I-E-B-E-E-C-H-E-R, katiebeecher.com. And you can make an appointment. There's different options for appointments on there. You can also, I'm doing a workshop, a week-long workshop at the Omega Center in New York, kind of outside of New York City. And I'm going to be teaching people my actual techniques and we're going to be doing a lot of hands-on stuff for intuition development, connecting to your body. If you're a practitioner, you can use these things to help other people too. So I'm really excited about that. That's in October, October 24th to the 29th. And then there's also information on my website about my book, which again is based on all of the work that I've done in my own healing and teaching people how to again, you know, do all the stuff that, that I do. It's all my unique techniques and it's being published in February, but it's available for pre-sale through the link in my website. So those are, you know, a couple of things that, that they can do. Right. Lovely. No, thank you for sharing that. And and I have have Instagram too. My Instagram as well. It's Katie Beecher Medical Intuitive. Sorry. Yeah. No, brilliant. No, important to get Instagram in there because it's a place where a lot of people connect. Exactly. (laughs) And I was just going to say as well, just like, I'm really excited about, yeah, hearing about your book as well. And obviously, I'll make sure all the things you just mentioned and details about your book are in the show notes if people want Great. to follow up. Great. So Katie, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for, for sharing, you know, all about the work you do. I think it's just really interesting and, you know, so much value to the listeners. Oh, I really appreciate it. And I'm hopefully, you know, even if one thing I said helps one person, then that makes me really happy. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Katie's details in the show notes. Now, if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. And I hope to see many of you over at the Eating Disorder Therapist Book Club. So do check out the show notes if you want to access additional episodes and get lots of support and encouragement whilst reading a book with lots of other people on the same journey. Thanks so much for listening and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm